With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. And focus probably should be switching to Wednesday night to the FA Cup and internally at the club it probably is. But this is not internally at the club. Let's focus back on Sunday once again and revel in the fact that Liverpool have won silverware already this season. And a couple of people who have I don't believe gotten the credit they deserve for their performances on Sunday. Queen Callagher has won. Yes, there's been a lot of nice talk about him and people saying what a great story it is. But they've overlooked just how well he played in the 120 minutes of the actual match. I mean, this guy made three big saves in the game. His handling was perfect. His kicking was perfect. He commanded his box. He came in out of the cold. He hasn't been playing in the last couple of games because Allison is the number one. But he stepped in and was flawless. And that part of it is not being talked about enough. The part where Cuevin Kelleher isn't just a good story. He's a really good goalkeeper. That part isn't been talked about enough. And I feel like it's something we should keep focus on. Because how often have we as Liverpool fans heard the news that our goalkeeper is going to miss a game and immediately began to have terror sweats at the idea of Mike Hooper coming into the team, Peggy Arfixed coming into the team, Adam Bogdan coming into the team. Brad Jones coming into the team. Even when Mignolet was the backup, you didn't want to see him. But you're fine if Kelleher's playing. Now, I'm not saying he's a great goalkeeper, but he is a good goalkeeper, and he's a solid goalkeeper, and he's a reliable goalkeeper. He's good with his feet. He's good with his hands. And he's a good shot stopper. He's fearless. His years of playing Gaelic football have helped him massively. His years of playing as an outfielder in football have helped him develop 
being able to play on the ground. So when Alison Becker's not there, he's the ideal replacement. Ibu Kanate hasn't gotten enough credit for his performance. The guy came on for extra time in a frenetic game up against Romelu Lukaku. And I don't care if Lukaku's out of form. It's still Romelu Lukaku. It's still one of the best number nines in world football. And Ibu did a great job marking him. And then stepped up and scored a penalty. Wasn't the best penalty in the world. He still scored it. That guy is not getting enough credit. Nabi Keita is not getting nearly enough credit. According to Liverpool Echo readers, Nabi Keita was our worst player. Hmm. And I suppose if you ignore all the players that played worse than him, that might be the case. But Nabi Keita was really, really good in the final. Nabi Keita came in with 15 minutes notice to start in a major cup final on that big old pitch at Wembley. Locked down N'Golo Kante, kept the ball, made good decisions, gave us rhythm. Gave us control. Nabi Keita and Fabinho weren't the issue we had in midfield. When Nabi Keita went off, we lost all semblance of control. Some have tried that to put that down to the other midfielder who went off, but that midfielder was thinking the place out. We actually got better on the right-hand side when Harvey Elliott came on. Because we had a midfield balance. That being three across the middle. Not two in the middle and one deciding he was a centre forward. Nabi Keita never gets the credit he deserves. And part of it is that he hasn't lived up to expectations. And that's fair. He hasn't lived up to expectations. But a big part of that is that the expectations people set for him were unrealistic. We signed him in the summer of 2017. He arrived in the summer of 2018, so we waited an entire year for him. From there, he was given the number eight jersey. The last player to wear that jersey had been Steven Gerrard. For three years, it sat out of the rotation. And then it was given to Nabi Keita. So you had a year's wait and the number eight jersey. There's never been a player arriving at Liverpool with higher expectations, ever. Not Van Dijk, not Alisson, not Salah, none of them. Not even Torres or Suarez or any of them. Nobody has ever arrived at this club with higher expectations placed, placed on them the Nabi Keita. You also had the fact that a lot of people don't watch the Bundesliga, so didn't really know what type of player he was. A lot of people saw him and thought, well, he's in Golo Kante. We've bought the next Kante, but that's not the type of player he is. Now, his defensive numbers, they're comparable to Kante. But that's not the player he is. 
He's a guy who does a bit of everything. He does everything well. He may not be great in any one specific aspect, but he's not below good in any aspect. He's a good tackler. He's good at winning the ball back. He's a good presser. In fact, you could say he's a great presser. That might be the one area where he is great. But he's a good dribbler. He's a good passer. He's not a Thiago-level passer. He's not a Luis Diaz-level dribbler. He's a, got a good shot from distance. Not a great shot, but a good shot from distance. He's an intelligent player. He reads the game well. There's no area that you'd look at and say, Naby's not good there. Some people might say, oh, well, you know, his physicality. The guy's five foot eight. For a guy who's five foot eight, he's strong as an ox. You watch him hold off Mason Mount. You watch him outsprint Mason Mount and then hold him off. You watch him go head to head with N'Golo Kante in that final. And not just match him, but better him. For 75 minutes, Naby Keita was better in that final than N'Golo Kante. And then he got taken off. And Kante really only started to impact the game from 75 on. Because James Milner just can't keep up with him. Because James Milner's 36 years of age and shouldn't be expected to keep up with him. So, Naby has not gotten the credit he deserves. I don't think Trent has gotten the credit he deserves either. And I've seen some people say Trent was poor. And I really don't understand it. Oh, they attacked down that side. Of course they attacked down that side. They had free run through the middle of the park. There was absolutely nobody on the right-hand side of our midfield. This is always the case with Trent. He gets left 2v1 because the midfielder doesn't track back. And that's apparently Trent's fault. Or he gets left 2v1 at the back post on a cross because someone hasn't tracked a runner from midfield. Or against Brentford, he gets left 3-on-1 on the back post because someone hasn't tracked runners. And this is apparently Trent's fault for not being able to multiply himself and deal with multiple opponents. But defensively, Trent dealt really well with what came down his side. And his passing was, was really, really good. People will always point to Trent's pass completion if they want to disparage him, but they ignore the fact that Trent plays a lot of very difficult passes. If Trent wanted to just play one-twos with people, demand the ball to just give it back to somebody, play it backwards and sideways, he'd average 97% passing completion every single game. That's not his game. That's not what we ask of him. We ask Trent to be the primary playmaker of this team. And at 23 years of age, he's been that. He's been it since, I would say, 1819 was the first season Trent really started to, to act as our primary playmaker. 1718, he was more of a traditional get-it-wide-and-cross-it kind of fullback. We could see the talent. But it wasn't until the following season, the season we did win the Champions League, that he really started to become that playmaker for us. And if it wasn't for 
a very strange decision by VAR, he would have had an assist on Sunday. Well, not an assist, a pre-assist. His cross, Mane's header, and Matip heads home. But it came from Trent's ball. If Sadio Mane gets the timing right on his header in the first half, Trent gets an assist there because it's an incredible cross. And you'd normally bank on Sadio from there. That's just two incredible balls that he played. He played a bunch of others. And as he and Diaz start to get a little bit of a link going, we'll see him play that cross-field switch, not just to Robbo, but also to Diaz, the one that Mane has feasted on for years. And Luis Diaz hasn't gotten enough credit. And Luis Diaz has gotten a lot of credit, but not enough credit for the fact that he's only been at the club less than a month. And he's already played a starring role in a cup final. You go and watch that game back and you just watch the terror in Chelsea every time Diaz gets the ball. They're petrified of him. They're doubling up every single time he gets the ball. Cesar Azpilicueta hasn't sprinted in about three years. He was sprinting non-stop on Sunday to get back and try and help Chalaba. And Diaz was breezing past the two of them. You go back and look at those two passes from Virgil. One that he kills on the run at full pelt. And the other one that he kills on his chest. That's incredible. This guy is a phenomenal player. And we've often worried about what happens post-Salah, post-Mane. You know, as good as Jota is, he doesn't appear likely to reach the Salah and Mane levels of being you know, among the very best in the world in their position. He's going to be a very good player for us for a long time, obviously. But he just doesn't appear to have that elite world-class level. He's maybe a level or two levels below that. He's still going to be really, really good, but not that world-class player. We don't need him to be. Bobby wasn't a world-class player for us. Bobby was a very, very good player for us. And Jota can reach that Bobby level. Different type of player, obviously, but that sort of level. But Diaz, Diaz has it. Diaz has that Mane level. Diaz is a is the player is the guy you could see being the best player in the league at some point. The way Sadio was the best player in the league the year we won the title in 2019-20, Sadio Mane was the best player in the league. He was robbed of his footballer of the year because of a media campaign, but he was the best player in the league. The only one that came close is Kevin De Bruyne, who's I would say, not unanimously, but pretty close to unanimously, being viewed as the best player in the league for the last five years. Now, obviously, Virgil has challenged that, and Mo challenges that, but maybe it's the anti-Liverpool sentiment. But I feel like fans of most other clubs would say De Bruyne has been the best player over the last five years. And given that Virgil missed a season... And spent half a, half a season at Southampton. If we look at the last five years, he spent half of two seasons because it would start in 16-17. Back half of that season, first half of the next, plus that year he was out injured. Mo had a bit of a down year, his third year. 
De Bruyne has probably been more consistent. Now, he's had injuries as well. That's the thing. But you get my point. Salah was, or Mane was on that level, if not better than him, the year we won the title. Salah has been the best player in the league in his first season and this season. Diaz feels like he could get to that level. He feels like he has that type of ability and the drive. And his work off the ball is is special. Really, really special. Andy Robertson can fly forward knowing Luis Diaz will cover him. Andy Robertson doesn't have to worry about getting caught 2v1 because if the left-sided midfielder, be it Naby, be it Curtis, be it Thiago when he's there, if they haven't covered back, which they generally do, he knows Diaz will cover back. He knows that fullback is not coming at him as well as his own winger. So Diaz's off-ball work is something that people need to focus in on as well because it's really, really impressive. Uh, I mentioned Thiago there and Jurgen Klopp has said he will miss the Norwich game and the West Ham game. He is likely to miss... Well, actually, actually, to be fair, what he really said was he won't play against Norwich. The weekend, I'm not sure. Maybe he plays against Inter. After that, he's definitely back. So it might be a case that with a 2-0 lead from the first leg, he just doesn't risk him against Inter Milan and saves him for bigger things to come. Not having him for West Ham is tough, though. That's a tough blow because you feel like you need a bit of extra control because they're quite good on counterattacks. You feel like you need that extra bit of control in midfield. Uh, Andre Varnan, former Red, has quit his job with Dinamo Moscow. He is an assistant manager, or was an assistant manager to Sandro Schwartz, and he has quit his job because he could no longer work in the country that is bombing my homeland. I'm so proud of our country. We have beautiful cities, great people. We will keep fighting, and we will win, but the price is so high, all the dead. And this is the... I mean, this is the thing for, for all Ukrainians right now. You see the manager from Sheriff Tiraspol, who were playing in the Champions League this year, beating Real Madrid. And he's gone back to Ukraine now to help fight for his own country. I mean, this is amazing. Just think of it. If you were working abroad in a country that's not your own, and your own country came under attack. You and you were a wealthy man in or a woman in a position of privilege. Would you drop everything to go back? Like Lomachenko, who's one of the best boxers in the world, has just dropped everything to go and help fight for his country. Alexander Uzek, who's the unified world champion at heavyweight, he's dropped everything to go back to Ukraine and fight for his own country. And I don't just mean, you know, stand and cheerly. These dudes are putting on bulletproof vests, grabbing a rifle and going out on the front lines next to their president. Can you imagine Boris Johnson or Michal Martin or Joe Biden's too old, Donald Trump was too stupid? But can you imagine anyone from these countries 
taking up arms to defend their country. No, they'd be hidden in a bunker. Ukrainians, man, they're just, they are, they are an exceptional, exceptional nation of people. And I'm absolutely in awe of them. Um, yeah. Let's go back to Liverpool-based stuff. Uh, Jurgen Klopp lauds incredible unseen duo behind Liverpool's penalty success. Liverpool, obviously, big focus on marginal gains. And Euro 11, a German company with Nicholas Hausler and Patrick Heinschke, spent time with the first team this year working on mental strength, tra- uh, mental strength training. And they were involved in a lot of the set-piece stuff, They've, which obviously we've seen pay off this season with how many goals we've scored from corners and free kicks. But also, they are believed to have been behind the order for the penalty shootout. Incredible. Fair to say they nailed it. Virgil's penalty in particular is getting a lot of love, but and rightly so, but you've got to love Fabinho's as well. Uh, Sadio Mane has hired a personal physio, a, a live-in physio, and this is someone, Jose Luis Rodriguez. He spends two weeks every month living with Sadio, and he used to work for Liverpool. He left in 2020, and he is now working with Sadio on a personal basis, which shows this is what I mean about you never hear Sadio called a model pro. You, you never hear that tagged to him. You never hear about how well Sadio looks after himself, how Sadio is an example for young players. But this guy is exactly what you would want a young player to be as a player and as a man. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, the FA have written to Harvey Elliott to ask him for his observations on why he was seen holding a flare. Madness. Madness. What a nanny state. Liverpool.com have the usual transfer news, so do check that out. Uh, there's some cup final bits and bobs there as well that you might want to read. Anfieldindex.com, there is a piece up about Luis Diaz, a South American dream, that piece written by the machine known as Stephen Smith. And then there is a piece by young Sam Maguire about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and how he's the one who can replace James Milner in that role of filling in wherever needed. And we've seen Ox play both sides of the midfield and in the forward line. There's absolutely no question he could do a job at right back. And Ox is a better player than Milner. So it it could be a role that makes a lot of sense for him. If Ox was willing to become the backup right back who will still get some games in midfield and in attack, that could save us some money as well. There is a new Mulby on the spot entitled Rhythm as a Dancer. So do check that one out. Trevin Yan having a good old time talking about the Carabao Cup final and a look ahead to games against Norwich and West Ham. So do, do check that one out. There's plenty of other podcasts that came out over the weekend. The Post Match Raw and the Pro Plus 
that took place in a car with Harinder driving, calming gags, just full of the joys of life. Do check that one out as well. There will be a new old school recorded today. Uh, we're doing it at 4 p.m. live on Discord. So if you're listening to this before then, jump on at 4 and listen to me berate gags for being a jinx. And that's it. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.